says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me for for our standards at the very least, an exceptionally brief episode is my good mate, 60s, big fella. It's a very short run sheet this week, or this episode in particular. Uh, we've got some fun things to talk about for the Jersey flag and our NRL tips, but how are you doing in the meantime? Mate, I'm a little bit warmer than when we recorded last night, mm. which was... It was absolutely freezing, and uh, yeah, it look. This will go out to all of the listeners on Friday, so we're keeping the content coming your way on TCT. And uh, in that regard, a bit of a shout out to our sponsors: Big Swing Golf, North Mead, and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan, and Parramatta without whom we would not be able to bring you all of this content on the Cumberland Throw. So thank you to our partners there. Yes, sir. So let's jump right into the Jersey flag this week, 60s. The lone Parramatta team in action, the NRL and the New South Wales Cup on a bye each. So with the Jersey flag, they're hosting the 11th place West Tigers. The Eels occupy 9th place currently on the ladder now, is it a top six, top five, or top eight in the flag? Is it top eight still? I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it's top five. It was top five last year. Uh, the, I don't imagine it's changed anything because it's a 12-team competition. Yeah, exactly. So. so when they have those top five New South Wales Cup and Jersey flag competitions, it allows them to finish their finals one week before the NRL and then that then means that the Queensland and New South Wales winners at the at that, that cup level are able to play off in the national yeah the national championship final and grand final day. Of course, that means that the Eels need to get on their bike. Uh, like I said, they occupy ninth position on the ladder this week with six wins from their fifteen outings. They're chasing in terms of the top five, the Melbourne Storm, who are on eight wins from fourteen games. Uh, so they've got a game to play in relation to the Parramatta Eels. I think all teams should have even buys in this competition. I'm not sure about that, though. But, yeah, this week they take on the second-last-placed West Tigers. Four wins from 14 outings for them. Negative 98 for and against. Parramatta not sitting pretty in that regard. Negative 44 and against. But they have broken their recent slump with a nice win over the Cronulla Sharks. Looking at these two teams line up, 60s. The game's taking place on Saturday out at Ringrose Park, 20 one of our old stomping grounds, 4 o'clock p.m. kickoff. Uh, be interesting to see if the canteen is open for the old uh, chip rolls there, but uh, regardless, it's always good to get to one of our old stomping grounds there. And the Eels, they got a fair bit of continuity this week. I think Jock Brazel's out, uh, but he was also a bit of a surprise inclusion last week too, given that he's been playing a lot of New South Wales Cup. Uh, but they do get back Lockie Blackburn and Nick, uh, Nicholas Lenar. Sorry, Nick. Uh, but we start at fullback for the Eels with Te Horanui Apanuri Tweedle or Apa Tweedle. On the wings, Matthew Komalafi and Taroa Williams. In the centres, Richard Panasini and Lockie Blackburn. The halves continues that all SG ball spine theme. Joshua Lynn at 5'8", Ethan Sanders at halfback. In the front row, it's Noah Reed and Brock Parker as the bookends. Matty Arthur is the dummy half. On the edges, Charlie Geimer, Will Latu and Captain Nick Lenars. On the interchange, Araz Namva, 
Sam Tuovati, Max Tupo, and Lance Fall Lima. Paddy Spence is the 18th man or replacement player. Just looking at this West Tigers team, 60s, trying to see if there's any of those uh, SG ball players that we sort of took on uh, going back a couple of months now. Um, Trey Penny, I believe, was part of that team, if I'm not mistaken, but I could be mistaken. Then we just quickly check uh, our run through to the finals. It was in the Magpie squad, wasn't it? Yeah. No, so Trey Penny didn't play that game. I'm making things up. Uh, looks like they haven't got too many players in the back line here. Josh Felody, we do know, 60s. He's from Manly, uh, well, recently from Manly to the Tigers. Uh, but yeah, it looks like they haven't got too many players in the back line that are playing up from there. What about in the forwards? Again, I'm not seeing too many crossovers here. I've so. got a funny feeling thinking back to that being a young West SG ball. It, it was, but uh, we saw Tom, what's his name, De Silva. Uh, being uh, accelerated very aggressively through the ranks. I thought they might have had a few more in there. On the interchange, uh, Kit Alali'i is uh, their captain from that SG Ball squad. But, yeah, it looks like they they haven't been too aggressive with the promotion of these players. So Yeah, as I said, I, that I, that may well be an age factor with that. It could so. also probably be in Cup too, I suppose. So I could be overlooking that as well. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, 60s. On the back of that 22-12 to 12 win, against the Cronulla Sharks. It was a way trip to Points Bet Stadium. This is a game the Eels really need to have if they're going to make a charge towards the postseason. Yeah, and look, we saw, you mentioned before that one of the teams that we have to catch up is the Melbourne Storm. That was probably one of those unfortunate losses that they had where the Eels led till there was about two or three minutes left in the game. And uh, they ended up being a, a turnover of possession in the Eels' quarter, and then the uh, the Storm were able to score with just those couple of minutes left on the clock, and uh, that basically meant that um, I guess it's that classic case of snatching defeat from the jaws of victory, and um, it was and and once you once you're talking about a team getting a that you're trying to catch getting a jump on you by by two points you you can only you can see the difference where if you take two points off them add two points to us that's like a that's a four pointer isn't it mm-hmm. you know that's they should be that much closer but the past is the past all that the eels can do is take care of what they've got in front of them at the moment which at the moment is that clash against the west tigers a clash that certainly according to the table positions and uh, also form is one that's very winnable for the Parramatta Eels. So we'll be out there on uh, Saturday afternoon covering that with a live uh, blog for people who can't get out there themselves. Although I've had a, a few messages of people that because Parramatta aren't playing in the NRL, they, they're planning to go out and get a, a bit of football uh Reels football on Saturday afternoon. So we might see a few people out there. If you see us there, come up and say good day. We're always uh, happy to catch up with fellow Eels supporters at lower grade games. Uh mate, yeah, now just looking at why. The why. What what's I, I imagine that you're also backing an Eels win in this. Mm-hmm. What what gives you confidence about the the Eels being able to get the job done against the Tigers. I mean, the first thing that really comes to mind is the continuity of that playmaking core. Uh, they've been without 
Ethan Sanders for what just about a month or maybe a tick over a month. Yeah, he comes, yep. he slots back in, and suddenly the team is whirring nicely. Matty Arthur's been entrusted with playing that starting dummy half role and hasn't looked out of sorts despite being young in this grade. Uh, you know, Upper Tweedles back. He's sort of bounced between 5'8 and fullback in the meantime uh, with the injuries elsewhere in this team and has sort of held the fort down, but he's back at fullback where he prefers to play and looking real good. So when you've got those playmakers and, uh, you know, obviously Joshua, Joshua Wynn's in there too and he's been in and out of the team with injury as well. Uh, so you've got them all back in there. They've got that full pre, like NRL preseason, SG ball preseason, SG ball premiership season of experience and combinations together. It's no shock that when they're all fit and healthy on the park at the same time, that the team looks, you know, an order of magnitude uh, better. So I really like that. Also like the back line getting fit and healthy. Richard Penasini, Lockie Blackburn, Terrell Williams, Matty Komalafi, you know, big athletic back line there. And just in the forwards too. Uh, Brock Parker's back. That is a huge in. Now that he's back and settled after that was an MCL 60s. Uh, he did uh, his knee earlier in the season. He's now back and looking to be in good form. Charlie Geimer's now healthy. He's doing well on that right edge. Uh, you know, so they've got a lot of really strong building blocks in this team. And the other factor too is that because of the New South Wales Cup buy, they could have even more firepower available. So I don't know if it's going to be a game day inclusion, but they've got the likes of Jonte Jr., Bethan Mesa, and Jock Brazel uh, if he is healthy uh, to call upon. And, and also uh, Jacob Davies too, but I'm not sure. He might have been injured from when he played against uh, the Kennedy Bulldogs a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that is an interesting point. I don't rule out late inclusions in this team. We haven't had any inside mail in any way about that. But as you mentioned, there are players who have been features in this particular team. They've gone up to New South Wales Cup. The Cup's got a bye this weekend. Could there be late changes? Yeah, I'm not ruling it out. Um, They have had Nick Lenars come back from New South Wales Cup to the lock and captaincy role with this team, that's also, I think, a big inclusion because, as we know, he brings a lot of the energy to the team. And and that's both in attack and defence. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, he's, he's one of those blokes that um, he's a real effort-on-effort effort player and uh, doesn't, doesn't shy away from the physicality of the contest at all, does he? So, and he's, he's got that capacity that if the dummy half needs a break, he can slot from lock into the dummy half roles. So um, keep an eye on him. The the fellow that really impressed me outside of the spine last week in the in the Jersey flag win over the Sharks uh, was Charlie Geimer. I thought he was outstanding on the edge last week and asked lots of questions. He He's... He's alternated this season between the edge and lock roles. And I guess that one of the things that he was always going to be having to deal with as he came into um, a change of position, moving from the uh, centre role into the pack, was that additional workload. And I think he's done quite well in that this year. He had a, a very good season in SG ball. And he's now that he's getting his run in uh, Jersey flag, looks like he's going to continue that uh, good form into the higher grade. So um, keep your eye on him. Um, Richard Penasini's also had a, a very good uh, transition from SG ball into uh, Jersey flag, and he's also one of the younger 
players as well, having been in the Harold Matz team last year. So um, you, you earlier you mentioned Matty Arthur as, as being a young inclusion, and, yeah, that's also the case for Richie Penasini. And disappointingly, no Saxon Pryke, but you've got to think that injury or suspension is playing a factor there because he's been very good in the Jersey flag this year. Uh, so hopefully if he is injured, he gets to make, or gets to make a speedy recovery. And if he is suspended, it's for nothing uh, too long term. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is uh, probably the best team on paper they've been out of the field for a while. Uh, obviously going back to last week where they got that win too. Uh, so now it's just about building and, and sort of really tapping into that continuity of the roster and the sort of form that you can build because of it and taking on the West Tigers who are, you know, a couple wins worse off than the Eels. You've got to take care of business this week. That's right. So... Look, I honestly, I think that they can they can get the job done. And whilst you don't want them to be thinking about the scoreboard, at the end of the day, I think they will have made some inroads into uh, going, uh, taking some steps towards fixing up that points differential, which, as you said, sits around forty points right at the moment. That might end up being about. A, a, as far as I'm concerned, that might halve this yeah, week. I'm, I mean, I'm good, going to give a 20-point victory that, to the Eels. That wouldn't be what the coaches have said as a baseline because obviously you just want to work towards a win. But uh, if you're looking at it a little bit more greedily as a, as a fan and not a coach, I would say a 20-point win, 60s would be a nice uh, sort of par mark here or a plus mark uh, for the Eels to start building towards a push for the finals. So, yeah, I'm going to slide them in around about that 18 to 20-point margin of victory as what they need to get done this weekend. And, mate, that is the only grade that we're previewing this week, which then gives us a bit of time to offer our NRL tips. Yeah, let's have a quick week. have a quick dive through the uh, week that will be for the NRL, which is round 18. And obviously it starts, uh, well, well, they will have their recording up tomorrow, but it will start on the Thursday night uh, with the Shire slash Dragons derby, with the 4th place Sharks hosting the 17th place Dragons. 7.50pm kickoff out at Points Bet Stadium, 60s. Just a quick look at the key ins and outs here for the two teams. It looks like the Sharks are pretty much per program from last week. Braden Trindle is part of the extended roster, but aside from that, uh, they're looking pretty fit and healthy. Uh, for the Dragons, they've got a couple of big outs there. Jack Bird, Moses Sui, Zane Musgrove out, income and buy, Tao Monga. Uh, and then who's replacing? Is it Couchman? Yeah, Toby Couchman's on the interchange there, so... Oh, got plenty of time for Ryan uh, Carr, 60s, and he's honestly done a pretty good job at the Dragons, all things considering, but it's a tough assignment this week. Mate, it, it is a very tough assignment, and yes, we do have a high opinion of Ryan Carr. I've said before during his tenure at Parramatta as a lower-grade coach that I believed he was an NRL coach in waiting. I, I've seen nothing in his time as a caretaker at St George to have me change my opinion. In fact, if anything, it's only strengthened my opinion. I think he has a, a strong leadership ethic. The only problem is he's got a team where the on-field captain has been agitating to yeah. leave. It's a it's a pretty rough deal he's, or hand he's been dealt here. Uh, so he took over, what, against the, was it the Roosters? I think he's won two, lost three, something like that, hasn't yeah, he? That's, he's five games. Yeah, honestly, a pretty solid record 
all things considering. So, yeah, he's lost Dragons, beat the Rabbitohs, lost... And, I mean, the Warriors was a bit of a thumping, but narrowly lost the Panthers, uh, got beaten by the Dolphins, but beat the Roosters and South Sydney. So, yeah, far from a, a terrible start to his tenure, all things considering what you know the Dragons are as a club on and off the field at the moment. However... There's the however there that's is come. There, there was there was that sort of a uh, conjunction right there. The the however is a pretty brutal and uh, intense one this week. Yeah, they won't they won't get the job done against the sharks. The the dragons the the Ben Hunt situation has not been resolved. No, if it it it'd be festering there. It, it's obvious that he doesn't want to be at the club. His teammates have to play alongside and listen to a captain that doesn't want to be there. The supporters are faced with the team being led by someone who doesn't want to play in the Red V anymore. It's a recipe for a thumping. And I think the Sharks will develop, uh, deliver a thumping yeah. to them this week. Oh, I, I think it's going to be 20 points or more. The Sharks, honest. alongside the Eels, have been you know one of the two premier attacking outfits this year, uh, and you could easily see them piling on 30, 40, 50 plus in this one. I know that these derby games generally are played fairly closely, uh, but yeah, there, there is a whole equation of disaster here for the Dragons. They are just lurching from you know issue to issue, and like you said, that situation surrounding their captain and highest paid player in Ben Hunt, yeah, I... You can't imagine it's good for morale. So, yeah, tipping the Sharks and the Sharks by, well, 13-plus at the line, but a very healthy 13-plus. Yeah. Which brings us to the first of two Friday night games where you've got the real breakout stars of this season. I mean, the the Dolphins obviously are the feel-good story in one way, but the New Zealand Warriors under their new coach, uh, Webster, who was the less fancy of the two Penrith assistant coaches, have been nothing short of seriously impressive this year. They're hosting the Rabbitohs, who have been on a big skid ever since we put them to the, or took them to the Cleaners. Uh, and the Warriors actually enter as healthy favourites in this game. So they're in fifth place versus the Rabbitohs' eighth place. Uh, Murata Niakore, one of our favourite players, uh, he is out. The man has got a bad rap with the judiciary. And I, I honestly feel like Murata gets graded probably like one step above where he should be getting graded these days. He's a marked man. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, that means he sits out a lot of games. But he is out. So uh, that means he's gone from the back row. In comes uh, Jackson Ford, I believe, into the starting team there. Uh, and Josh Curran's on the other edge. For the Bunnies, they've got Jacob Host and Jed Cartwright out. Uh, and you've got Blake Taff at fullback. Uh, otherwise, the back line looks pretty good. Richie Kenner's not the first choice winger, I, can't, I don't think. But uh, they've got, what else is happening there? Uh, yeah, their first choice spine, it looks like. Yep. So you've got, well, outside of Taft, but you've got Walker, Ilias, and Cook. Uh, forward pack looks very good with uh, Totoa, Sele, Kaloma, Tangi, and Cam Murray in there. Very good pack right there. For the Warriors, though, I uh, mean, they've just been, like, it's none of it's been the star factor 60s, but it's been real honest work across the park. Dallin Latin Zalesniak has been enjoying a very good season, uh, but Sean's Nickel Clockstar, I mean, he, he is probably the player that's, Dylan Edwards probably gets the sort of comparisons too, but I feel like Sean's Nickel Clocks, though, is probably the player I would say is most analogous to uh, Quentin Gufferson. Uh, you know, just a huge effort guy, makes some tremendous defensive plays, and is all about heart and hustle. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, they've been really fun to watch. Sean Johnson's been excellent. Adam Fanua Blake's back in his best form. Uh, they're playing a really good brand of football. Probably not too dissimilar to what uh, the Eels did in their sort of formative years under Brad Arthur. Yeah. I think, as you said there, outside of what was surrounding the Dolphins at the start of the year in terms of the feel-good story around the Dolphins, there'd be people that wouldn't be disappointed that the Warriors are getting to enjoy a little bit of success this season, given the the tribulations that they've been through with COVID and having to relocate to Australia for a number of seasons and just being able to be back home and playing matches in front of home crowds. They've really found their mojo. They, they're, the confidence with which they're playing is what stands out to me. Like they've got a genuine self-belief I think not just in themselves, but in the systems that have been introduced there, they look a different team. There is nothing about the way they play, in my opinion, that you could relate as classic Warriors football. Mm -hmm. That what is regarded as classic Warriors football is just basically throwing caution to the wind. Yeah, flamboyant, reckless, aggressive. It's it's wonderful when it comes off. Uh, but it is law of percentage football, whereas here under Webster, they've installed those systems that aren't, you know, boring, you know, by the numbers football, but just good, honest sort of uh, rugby league. Well, they're producing consistent standards Mm -hmm. this year, and that's that's probably the difference. Uh, What supporters can expect from the Warriors is that they're going to put themselves in every contest. You just couldn't say that before. Like, you, you knew you might get a you might get one of those out-of-the-box games against the Warriors when you took them on at any time in the past. What you've known this year, if you're a team taking on the Warriors, is they're turning up to play. And that's the difference this year. Uh, the the Rabbitohs are an interesting case in point. At the start of the season, I felt like I was, again, having to eat humble pie because I think for the second year in a row, I tipped the Rabbitohs to falter this season. Like I, I thought they were going to fall to last season with the change of coach, the loss of Adam Reynolds. Um, I think there was one or two other players that they lost as well. Off the top of my head, I can't recall who it was. But they they just, to me, I just thought, no, then they're just not going to be up to the same standards as years gone by. This year, it's taken a little while for it to happen, but they're certainly one of the teams that you could say are in a mid-season slump. Now, whether this is a, uh, indicative of how they're going to play throughout the back half of the season, I'm not too sure. But it's no coincidence that they've got Latrell Mitchell out of the team at the moment. So he's obviously just a big factor in what they're able to produce. But, you know, earlier this season, that their right side was creating a lot of havoc. And that made it hard for teams to adjust to them because they always had that threat on the left but were hitting their right and having great success. And I just wonder whether teams just hadn't prepared well enough for their alternate attack. It seems like teams are handling them reasonably easy at the moment. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, They did put on a couple of nice plays against Parramatta, in particular that short side play. Uh, that led to their second try, I think it was, uh, just before half time. But on the whole, they just feel a lot less threatening. We play them with Latrell. 
So it wasn't like they were undermanned at the time. So maybe yeah. maybe after years, the league's finally caught up a little bit to their uh, you know prolific attacking structures. I don't know. Uh, maybe the, you know there's guys playing a bit banged up. Who knows? But right now the Rabbitohs are seriously faltering, and yeah, it, it's going to be very hard to tip them for this particular game. I, I think the Warriors deserve their favoritism, and I could see the Warriors are you know really building towards a, a solid win here. Yeah, well, with the uh, with the Rabbitohs, we put on. A, uh, quite a score against them. We've had um, after that the Dragons put on over 30 points against them and uh, in their uh, last match, the Cowboys thumped them 31-6 to six. so what's that, three weeks in a row of 30 plus yeah. points. This is from a team who were rated highly for their defence as much as their well, originally their left side attack, they're just leaking. Yep. And, you know, that's that's probably going to be, that to me is one of the things that they have to get under control and quick smart. Now, Latrell Mitchell is not going to fix their defensive issues. Not not one bit. That's an attitudinal problem. Yeah, yeah. It's going on there. So, yeah, what, what, what they do here, I'm, well, let's get to it. I'm I'm going to tip the uh, Warriors in yeah. this game. It's a home game. They've got the form. The Rabbitohs have uh, be dropping in confidence. They're certainly they're certainly dropping in form. So um, I'm going to I'm going to tip the Warriors to win uh, twelve thirteen plus. Yeah, I mean, recent form would point towards the Rabbitohs. You know, being a fair chance of conceding that thirty plus sort of uh, points defensively. Um, I will go for a Warriors win, probably in the somewhere between like eight to twelve points. I think they'll get a good, solid win here. Maybe a, a late trial two might uh, shorten that margin into my range uh, for the Bunnies. But yeah, at, at home, the Warriors are very hard to tip against right now. Yeah, well, I think while where that game was pretty easy, the next game I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, on paper, the game of the round. I know there is the uh, Brisbane derby and and whatnot ahead, but this is uh, was three v one on the ladder. 8 o'clock p.m. out at Marvel Stadium, Melbourne. Marvel because uh, the World Cup, right? The Is it the Women's World Cup yeah, for soccer? Uh, yeah. Is that what's uh, kicking everyone out of play at the Rugby League Stadium? So uh, that begins now with the Melbourne Storm moving over the Marvel. They're taking on the Penrith Panthers. Both teams loaded up with some reinforcements this week. Uh, they were resting their origin stars last week. So in comes Cam Munster for the Storm alongside a couple other players and Tom Eisenhower and Tui Kamikamifa. For the Panthers, though, Brian Toto, Isaiah Yo, Jerome Luai, Liam Martin, Stephen Crichton, all in. Obviously some seriously heavy hitters in that uh, bunch of names there. Uh, so looking at these two teams, I mean, Nick Meany's been exceptional fullback. They just, I mean, I, I liked when they picked him up in the first place, but Melbourne seemed to have, you know, sort of just churn out high-quality fullbacks these days, regardless of who's there. Will Warbrick has been excellent on the wing, and he's probably one of the leading he is eligible for rookie of the year right uh, coming across from rugby union yes. so he'll yeah. be he'll be alongside what uh katoa brendan hands and there's someone else i'm, I'm missing here that was well the the oh uh, Pereira. Uh, what about uh, Pereira? and then uh dream buller uh that's uh probably the pack of our uh, leading rookie of the year candidates right now but warbrick he's been very good on that right flank for the melbourne storm uh, Xavier Coates had an outstanding game at Origin. We've always got a high opinion of him. So, I mean, that Melbourne backline's excellent. Their forward pack's solid right now. I mean, Nelson and Sofa Solomona, 
they're, they're playing on the edges, and he's doing a good job. So that's a big mismatch there for the ball in hand. Uh, Penrith, though, uh, one of the most well-drilled and uh, well-talented rosters in the game. Going to be hard. I mean, this is a hard one to tip, but, man, it's hard to tip against the Panthers. They're just outside here uh, at the betting line. Uh, but no Cleary is the big, you know, sort of mark against them. But Jack Hogg has been pretty good. They get Jerome Lloyd back this week. Uh, I don't know, 60s, this is a hard, hard game to tip. Yeah, I'm going to tip the Storm by virtue of the fact that this is, inverted commas, a home game. I mean, it's not really a home game for them in, in terms of the venue, but in terms of the city, it's a home game for them. Cleary is and remains a big out for the Panthers. It was very entertaining uh, to uh, see that uh, reaction uh, after the, the game Christian Welsh, when he didn't realise that the microphone was live and he was in a bit of stunned disbelief about the Knights losing to the Panthers when the Panthers rested all those players. I mean, it was it was good to see that uh, interest and amazement that a player would have on the uh, result of another match, because you know not all not all rugby league players are worried about what's going on with the rest of the comp. They, they they can be a little bit insular with their their following of other matches or viewing of other matches. But yeah, so that was that was interesting his response to how the Knights went. And you know what? I think that that loss to the Panthers was more of an indictment against the Knights than it was a a big tick for what the Panthers were able to do without their players. And for that reason, I am going to tip the storm. The the absence of Nathan Cleary and the fact that I think that the Panthers, look, that Panther ball, it hasn't worked at origin level. I know the premier, at premiership level, it's very, very successful. But I think Nathan Cleary is a key part of that at the, I mean, that's a captain obvious statement, but he is a key part of, he is the, the key part yeah, of the it. big cog in that engine. We, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, the Melbourne's Melbourne's got some big guns in their team that I think will be able to deliver a win. And you know what? It's going to emphasize once more, the closeness of the competition this year, where you're going to see, as we've talked about before, more losses from a minor premier team than we've had for you know some time. So um, yeah, I'll take the I'm tipping the storm in that one. I'll, I'll take them one to twelve. I think it'll probably be like a ten or twelve point victory for them there. Yeah, I mean these are the sort of games where we see Cameron Munster and Verbi come up for big play. I already mentioned Nelson of Surface Solomon. As much as he's a grub, he's having a very good season as an attacking forward. I will go for the Panthers here though by a converted trial less. This is going to be an absolute, uh, you know, slobber knocker to you know really informed teams uh, that are largely healthy outside of their Nathan Cleary absence. Um, I think this will be a very good game. Well said, JR. <laughs> and uh, on to Super Saturday, where we've got three games kicking off first at three o'clock PM as the Canberra Raiders host the Gold Coast Titans six v nine here. So some important ladder implications, also uh, probably for the Parramatta Eels too, as we sort of are floating in that vicinity right now. Uh, for this game, though, whew, this is a chance for on the overs under 60s. This could be like a 60-point, 70-point sort of a combined score game here. 
Yeah, you don't trust the defence on either team there. The Raiders, I don't know, it, it, their last win just felt strange. It, it, yeah, it was it was just an odd one. And the Titans, well, um, I mean, they, I they're coming was, off the upset against the Broncos. They're going to be flying yeah. high. Uh, interim coach, uh, who, whose name eludes me right now, so no disrespect there, but uh, you know, did a good job getting them up for that. But can they maintain the rage? And oftentimes these teams don't. Uh, but we always say if the Titans, it's not for a lack of talent. You know, AJ Brimson's playing for a berth in origin to replace uh, Reese Walsh. We already mentioned Cam Pereira, the electric winger. Uh, you got Kelly, Shop, Sami. You got plenty of time for Philip Sami. He's a very good outside back. Foreign and Boyd in the halves. I mean, that's a good back line. And in the forwards, Mo Fodawaka, Tino Fa'asuwamala Awi. Uh, Sam Verrills is a good dummy half when healthy, and he is healthy right now. Dave Fafita is an absolute weapon in the back row. So they've got the strike, but have they got the concentration? Well, they've got the strike. If if there's a team that you'd compare to the Warriors in terms of inconsistency, you know, capability versus inconsistency, the Titans are probably the Australian equivalent of the Warriors team. So I don't know which Titans team is going to turn up. And, and for the Len, Raiders, their coach, their coach is it Lenahan, something like that. Yeah, maybe that's uh, that might be a bit more accurate than my effort. Uh, but yeah. yeah, for the Raiders, I mean Jack White and he's looking good. Jamal Fogarty, it's a bit of a revenge game for him, given he came to the Raiders by way of the Titans. Uh, but the Ford Pack is a little bit lighter for the Raiders this week with no Joseph Passer of oh, Joseph Josh Papaliti. Sorry, Josh. Uh, but on the flip side, Corey Horsburgh much like uh, the fullback on the other side, AJ Brimson, they're both looking for origin berth, so he's going to be up for a big game here. Uh, one thing that does have me scratch my head of the Canberra team 60s is Nick Cottridge on the interchange. Has uh, Ricky actually been putting him on the field? I Honestly, I can't recall him getting a run. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying, yeah. So I'm just trying to see if I can see his minutes here somewhere. Minutes played 3, 21, 80. Uh, 55. So obviously, when he started as a winger, got the 80. But the biggest minutes as an interchange player was in the win against the Rabbitohs. So, yeah, I don't know. That's a bit of a Tim Sheen's approach there, isn't it? Carrying the uh, like out and out outside back on the interchange. Uh, but yeah, flip a coin here. Home game, uh, you know, home field advantage is always nice. Uh, but three o'clock p.m. at Canberra probably negates some of the uh, weather or at least temperature advantages. It could still be brisk but it won't be truly, truly frigid. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll go with the Titans back up their win against Brisbane here. I think being a home game, and I was going to say the same as what you said about the 3 o'clock kickoff, at least as far as the Titans are concerned, they're not having to play on a Saturday night down in Canberra. It's not going to be warm by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination. It's, it's probably going to be a temperature that would be equivalent of playing at night in Sydney. But I, even even so, and even for the fact that I think that the Titans have greater strike power in their team than what the Raiders do, I'm going to tip a home team there simply because I can't tip the Titans to go back-to-back. <laughs> I mean, you got me there. You got me dead the right there. So, yeah, this this is a, the definition of a coin toss game. I've gone Titans, you've gone Raiders. Let's see how that plays out. Which brings us to the 5.30 slot and one of the more improbable rivalries in the modern NRL, I'd say 60s. North Queensland Cowboys taking on the West Tigers 10 v 16. 
Cowboys on a tear. Tigers slumping after winning a couple of games in the mid-season. Uh, but yeah, this obviously this rivalry dates back to 2005 and that grand final. Uh, but more recently, but what about what about the last match? I was about to say more recently the drama of that last match where uh, we saw wild scenes on that final kickoff uh, and the inability to challenge and thus the changes made in the off season to those. Oh mechanisms. no, no, I'm, so, I'm talking about I'm talking about. Oh, you mean you mean match. sorry, this match where the the West Tigers absolutely paced the Cowboys. Yeah, so yeah. sorry, I, I, yeah, I was going back to last season there, but you're right. This season where the West Tigers. Uh, had the real slump buster before I went back to slumping. Uh, with oh, yeah. The 60 plus point win over the Cowboys, one of the most shocking results of the season, no doubt. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> uh, they actually enter as rank outsiders here, uh, over $6 at the uh, head to headline here. Uh, as isn't, they it, isn't it amazing that the team that only a number of, like a few short weeks ago, uh, I mean, what was it, about six weeks? About that, yeah. Five, six weeks. Five, six weeks ago, they deliver the thumping of all thumpings. Like, they, they got over 60 points, wasn't it? 66, the... was it? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go back and find this because this is actually worth uh, doing the deep dive on. It was 66 to 18. Yeah, so... Yeah. They, <laughs> and that included uh, 54 from 61st-minute tries for the Cowboys to make it that much more respectable. Oh, so to think that it's turned around so badly for the Tigers since then and obviously the Cowboys have improved in their form that the Tigers are now $6 outsiders in this match. Yeah, the Tigers form one since that game was... That's wild. Like, it's absolutely wild. Well, since that game where they posted the club high record points there, uh, they had by... That controversial one-point loss to the Raiders where there was that missed knock-on, got beaten handily by the Titans, got handled by the Storm, another bye, and we arrive here. So they're 0-3 since, uh, but they did bank four points care of those two byes. So, yeah, <laughs> they might have blown their load entirely in that game, the poor, uh, the poor buggers. Yeah, but, and you, you've referenced there before the, the what happened, what transpired last time they played up in Townsville. That's right. Which which was like one of the more bizarre endings that you would ever see, let alone, well, I, I still would suggest that the Tigers were ripped off badly. I would, I would say that, that you're, you're pretty bang on there. But in this game, 60s, you've got the red-hot Scotty Drinkwater, uh, who is on an absolute tear and probably one of the big reasons alongside just their forwards being a bit more direct and, and sort of... Uh, willing to take that contact uh, as to why the Cowboys have been on such a surge. Uh, but Valentine Holmes, always a classy player out in the centres. Uh, Townsend and Dearden. Dearden is actually an outside chance of origin. If you saw 360, Brave and Astor was being a little bit coy about uh, Cameron Munster being more than happy to play fullback for the Maroons and uh, open the way for someone like Tom Dearden to come into the half. So he's got plenty to play for this week. Reese Robson, obviously he's looking to go back to the New South Wales camp. So yeah, him, Jeremiah Nanay, Ruben Cotter. I mean, they've actually got a shocking amount of origin reps in this um, Cowboys team, which is probably why people were so baffled as to why they started the season so slow. For the for the Tigers, Dream Bull is the real shining light for them this year. Junior Tupo had that red-hot start, including that big game against us. And, uh, oh, look at his numbers, but it feels like he hasn't produced many highlight real plays uh, since because uh, that game against us, he went for like 200 metres, 220, 221 metres, and I don't know how many tackle breaks. Eight tackle breaks, yeah. Oh, he's still been busting tackles, and he's still been 
He's been over 100 metres in every week except for against the Rabbitohs. So he's having a pretty good season still. Uh, so they've been the two shining lights in the back line. Uh, Dane Laurie and Wade, Brandon Wakeham, they're the starting half 60s. Uh, no Luke Brooks, no Adam Dwahi. Uh, it, it is dire for the, the Tigers and the playmaking stakes this week. Yeah, and that's probably a big part of why they are such outsiders there. The the Cowboys, well, they did get uh, the Panthers in a week where the I think the uh, from memory the um, was that where yeah the Panthers were res- had their uh, Origin players out, and I know the Cowboys had Origin players that's, out. That's right. Yeah, it was that was a strange sort of game and it was one where the Panthers looked to be in complete control. Uh, I'm look, I'm, I'm not, I'm not entirely convinced yet about the Cowboys form. Mm -hmm. I think, I think there's been things that have bounced their way, especially in that, in that Panthers game. I don't think there was any, I don't think you can take the form out of that. I mean, look, it looks great. They've beaten the storm, the, the Panthers, the Rabbitohs over those weeks. They've also struck them, I believe, at the right time. And, yeah, there's a couple of blokes that have played outstanding. I think you won't get any idea out of this game either because the Tigers, as you said, they're down in troops and they can't afford to be down in troops. It's going to be a, it, it's going to be a cakewalk. For the Cowboys, and I would suggest they will be in the sort of mood with a team that humiliated them last time. That they will be a they will be looking to well and truly return the favour. I, I I think that they I think it will be a ruthless beating, and I, I'm going to suggest that the Cowboys will go beyond fifty points oh, in this game. Oh. Yeah, I, I'm predicting a pretty healthy win for the Cowboys. I'm going to go a little bit more circumspect, uh, probably in the range of like 20 to 30 points plus. Uh, but yeah, uh, they, they've got all their origin stars in this week. They're going to be fired up for that redemption. So I don't think you're too far off the pace maybe uh, as to what the upper sort of bracket of points scored could be, which brings us to the final game of Super Saturday. And this one is that Brisbane derby we mentioned earlier. The second place Broncos hosting the 11th place Dolphins who the Eels uh, gave that first half rushing two. Uh, this one's taking place at the Gabba as per that uh, Football World Cup uh, sort of relocation of the rugby league teams. And for this one, the uh, Broncos got... What have they got going in here? It's like a lot of ins, but they're in the extended roster. So they've got a lot of ins, but it's like not the actual starting team. Uh, whereas for the Cowboys, they get Jeremy Marshall King back in this week, which is really nice. He's been very good for them. And then we half. Tessie New comes back in on the wing. And... Hamaso Tabuai Fado named at fullback. There's been a lot of talk this week about him moving into the centre's 60s, uh, given he's been in strong form there at the rep level. And watching what he did to us on the weekend, uh, where he was like their lone bright spot, I'm a little bit, you know, left head scratching here. Uh, it feels like you're shuffling deck chairs here or, or doing a negative. Uh, maybe they, they don't like his. Or I feel like there's a lack of communication or something from fullback, but in terms of his raw output, he is an absolute strike weapon. Yeah, yeah, he is. Um, interesting. You, you've got a couple of those Brisbane forwards that are out. You've now got Reese Walsh, who's out. The 
normally I would just be saying straight out that the Broncos are going to do a real number on the Dolphins here. And they may still do a number on the Dolphins because I honestly, I think the Dolphins have a very weak roster. I believe that at the start of the season, I was eating humble pie with some of the results that they were getting, but the reality's kicked in now. They'll be, you know, they might pick up a, a couple of wins before the end of the season, but they're, they're not going to play finals football. They won't go close to finals football. Um, but, yeah, as I said, this is, there's an element of the unknown with a couple of those players out for Brisbane. The inclusion of Jeremy Marshall King is a big one for mine, for the Dolphins. Have they got a an upset win in them? Maybe. Maybe. Like I don't think they're gonna I don't think they're gonna produce consistent football before the end of the season. Um I'll still tip Brisbane. I'll tip Brisbane one to twelve in this one. But I I I think we might see a little bit of improvement from the Dolphins given that it's the local derby, given that you've got Jeremy Marshall King back, given that you've got Reese Walsh out. So I think those factors make it a bit closer, but the Broncos still win. Yeah, a lot of the Broncos' best football has been run through Reese Walsh, and that's not to do a disservice to Adam Reynolds and Ezra Mam, who have both been very good. But you could see that curtailing some of their ability to pile on points. Uh, I think that the Dolphins will keep it close through the first half, but I see the Broncos probably getting away from this and in the win, in sort of the vicinity of 12 to 18 points at the end. So I'm going to tip the Broncos to win solidly here. And that brings us to Sunday, where we've got a couple of games to play. Uh, <laughs> neither of them are particularly highly seeded games. Uh, so this might be uh, one for the, or two for the purists here, uh, with the 15th place Bulldogs and the 14th place Newcastle Knights kicking off the action at 2 o'clock p.m. This one's out at a core stadium or Olympic Park, as some people prefer to call it. Uh, and, yeah, both these teams, they're struggling. There's no way they sugarcoat this. The Dogs, we hear it, we've heard it every year for about half a decade now about how this is the year they're going to make the big push and be finals contenders, and it's fallen apart again. And meanwhile, for the Sharks, they've sort of lurched from promising win to really bad loss to, you know, thereabouts. Uh, Adam O'Brien is a man that is under a lot of pressure, and he insists that he is the right man to lead the Knights, but he needs these results. And looking at this, uh, both teams have a whole stack of ins. Uh, so I don't know what that meant from last week. These are all proper ins or guys being shuffled around. But they've got uh, Josh Adokar, Matt Burton, Raymond Fatale, and Mariner, and Ryan Sutton as the highlight ins for the Bulldogs. On the other side, uh, you've got Lockie Miller and Lachlan Fitzgibbon, a pair of Lachlan's there, uh, probably as the big ins for the Knights. Uh, are we actually in the team, though? No, we're not. So well, Miller isn't, Fitzgibbon is. Uh, so, yeah, on paper, I don't know what to make of this one, 60s. Kalen Ponga, a lot of talk about him being maybe a record origin, but he stood himself down, and I believe he's going to stay that way. So his availability will be, well, he wouldn't be unavailable for this game, but does that light a fire for him that they want him back? I don't know. Um, you'd think that Newcastle had the advantage in the head-to-head fullback stakes there, Perrin versus Ponga, but the dog's back line's pretty handy. Uh, and uh, they've actually moved Carla Rajab into the starting halves. And Rajab was probably their best player against us 60s. He was one of the few players to actually spark something close to a consistent playmaking threat uh, in that game. And what have I done with Carl Lawapu then? Is he on the interchange or has he just been dropped? Where is he? 
can't see him in this team. So maybe he's been, yeah, he's been he's out. So I don't know if he's heard or got dropped. The uh, the young rookie sensation, but yeah, I, I don't know what to make of this game. Uh, Dogs, the home team here. Maybe that's enough to get him over the line, but <laughs> this this could be a, a real dour affair. Hang on, I'm just tossing a coin here. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's it, mate. That's it. It, in all honesty, I'm looking at the teams. I think you've got, you know, obviously with respect to blokes who are um, first grade footballers and uh, a couple there that have played representative football. It's still, on the whole, two very average packs that are lining up against each other. I don't know who gets on top there. Um, yeah, like. In, in all honesty, you've got um, the dogs who really, as far as the media are concerned, they've flown under the radar in terms of criticism. Yep. Like they, they, they genuinely have. I mean, if, if Parramatta were performing like the dogs have this year, they'd be wanting to tear them to pieces and call for the sacking of the coach and all that sort of stuff. And, and yeah, this is Seraldo's first year with the Bulldogs, but there was a lot that was expected of them, as you suggested, as there has been in in previous years. It it casts a light, doesn't it, when you have a coach that they paid a lot of money for for a long term coaching deal, spent a lot of money on bringing players in, and that the results aren't really too much better than the coaches who were there before who had probably less resources than what the dogs are pumping into the team this year for him and uh, weaker and weaker rosters than the current roster. And they were thrown onto the scrap heap, those coaches. Now, Seraldo may turn out to be a fine NRL coach, but it does put it into perspective, doesn't it, about the previous coaches mm-hmm. and what they were asked to do with significantly weaker rosters and resources. So, um, look, yeah, honestly, I don't know. The Knights are the Knights are favourite in this. I don't know how that's determined, um, <laughs> especially given that the Knights lost to. A weakened Penrith team last week. In terms of pure strike, when I look at these two teams, I look at Kalen Ponga, Dom Young, Brad Best, or Bradman Best, sorry, uh, Greg Marju. You know, they've got some real good weapons in the back line. The problem is for the Knights is they can't feature them consistently. So if they can get those guys in the right spots, they'll score tries. If, If they get beaten this week, the Knights, I know that there's already drums that are beating now around Adam O'Brien. You, you could imagine that you would have some management that starts to become receptive to those drums mm-hmm. because things aren't really changing too much up there. Um, and when you look ahead, is it going to be any better next year at this stage? No. No. Yeah. No. And like we say, always say, the NRL is ruthless. It's a results-driven business. And they've given Adam O'Brien a pretty, you know, lengthy piece of rope to do his work with. You know, they haven't, you know, short-leashed him by any means. Uh, and he just hasn't been able to turn the place around, uh, at least up until now. So he really needs a good run. Like, he needs win on win on win. 
to you know install a bit of confidence and a bit of breathing room here. And that means he's got to get the job done today, or sorry, today, on Sunday. And I'm actually going to tip the Knights here. This is a terrible game to tip, but I will go for Newcastle. I'm actually going to tip the Dogs in a match that I couldn't care less yeah. who wins. I'll put it, uh, well, maybe I won't put it on depending on what, uh, what our time frame is, but if I can watch it, I will have it on the background, but I wouldn't be too interested in uh, in the actual outcome. And then the final yep. game of the round, uh, well, they've been in the headlines for their signing fiery this week, but the Brooks Vale Sea Eagles uh, taking on the Sydney Roosters. It's 13 versus 12. This one is out at Four Pines Park, a.k.a. Brooks Vale or Brook Vale Stadium, uh, with the two, I mean, the two teams are struggling. Uh, the host of injuries for the Sea Eagles, the Roosters, they've also got a host of injuries this week, uh, but they do get uh, Swali'i back this week. Uh, but they're, they're in all sorts. Their captain and fullback's in shocking form. I don't know. I was talking to my brother about this. Um, do you reckon Teddy's carrying an injury that he's not disclosing? Because he just doesn't look like the same player. Like, it's not surprising to see a decline in his form, but just to see it so catastrophically fail the way we have this year, I don't know. He, he just looks like a shadow of himself. Yeah, he does. And the... Oh, look, I, I, that's one of those things, isn't it? When players don't disclose injuries for obvious reasons, but the form is just so, so drastically different, so down on, on, on previous efforts that you know there's something going on. And you said something to me the other day about, um, you, I think you made a comparison from memory. You can correct me if I'm wrong about the Teddy was almost doing a, a similar thing to Paul Gallen in that his involvement in the plays for New South Wales was stifling mm. the attack. Yeah. And I know they're vastly different positions, but I looked at it and, and I even looked at it when it, with regard to the Roosters and I thought, you know what, you're right. The, the number of times where he seemed to be caught or where the play would get, would break down around him Whereas he he was always the spark. There there is nothing there's nothing about him that sparks right now. There there might be the odd moment where you think, oh, there's Teddy, but for the most part, he's playing very very average football. And look, it's hard to say. You you in the middle of an Origin series, are you going to come out and sack your captain? of your origin team. No, that, you know, that just doesn't happen. The only way that he doesn't play origin is if he steps down and he's not, he's not a, he's probably got too much pride to step down from there and, you know, really would want to turn his, his form around as best he can. But if he's got an injury, that's going to make it that much harder. And, and we're just speculating that there might be some, some sort of injury that's curtailing his ability to play to, um, it, his to his best, but you know, I, I look at this and I go, you know what? On paper, the Roosters' backline is probably well. The outside backs have probably got a slight edge in terms of ability at their best, right? Then I look at the halves and I go, well, Daly Cherry Evans is. Even in his advanced years, it's just, uh, you know, classes and classes above what's yeah. there. Because Luke, Luke Keery, unfortunately, uh, his form is curtailed on the, you know, back of years of concussions and head knocks and maybe just slowing up a fraction too. 
and Sandon Smith, well, you know, you've got to respect the effort he's putting into his position and to the role he's been cast into, but he's not in DCE's, so like, you know, same postcode. And that's so big. You know, we, we just know the influence that guys like DCE and Moses and Cleary have on these teams. Uh, and for the Roosters, it honestly feels like they've just got to find a way to get Joey Manu engaged and featured as much as possible. And it took, yeah. them, it took them a long time last week to get him involved in that game. And the moment they did, he had a huge involvement. You know, he scored a couple of tries and just looked super threatening uh, every time he got the ball. So they've got to keep him constantly engaged. Uh, and maybe Swalee being included can help too. You know, gives you an easy sort of kick target on that right wing where I presume you'll play uh, alongside Tupo on the left. But yeah, I mean, Manly get a pair of Tabojevic's in, probably not the ones they want to see in terms of the the highest tier of talent. But Jake's a you know good, honest player. Ben's a you know young back rower. They get Brad Parker, Jason Sarban, Kelma Talangi back as well. So they've got some big ins to go against their outs. Roosters, no Crichton, no Egan Butcher. They get Nat back instead. No Satili Tupanua. So, yeah, their forward pack's doing a tough. Nathan Brown moves into starting lock forward. Uh, Victor Radley's on the edge this week. So that tells you where they're at with their forward pack. Um, yeah, this would be a time you'd be loved. You'd love to play the Roosters. We yeah. played them at the start of the season <laughs> yeah, where, yeah, where the, they played a game out of the box. Out of, out as of, well as, out of the bye. Well uh, yeah. That was Swaliti's best game of the season. They got us. And I, I am still uh, really frustrated that uh, – uh, Will Penasini Symbian because it, at that moment I could cop it. I could say, I, I actually said, I am okay for that decision. But we've seen it about three, four, five times since where offside players on the try line get involved in a potential prime try scoring opportunity and it's just been a six again uh, infringement. And yeah. the Eels got done with a, with a Symbian. So really, really ticked off about that. Uh, and yeah, I, I think that mainly if the reinforcements with DC at the helm. Uh, I think they're going to win this one and maybe win pretty healthily. Yeah, if if they get the points here, and I'm going to agree with you, I think Manly, I think Manly do win in this game, despite being down in troops. I, I'd I'd have to say this is going to sound a harsh thing to say, but Ruben Garrick at fullback is better than a half fit. Oh no, Tom Trevojevic. No, no doubt, and it. it I, you know, again, talking to you, talking to my brother, talking to the people in my sort of inner sphere of rugby league chatting, uh, I've always been mind-blown that Manly have been so almost blasé about playing Tom Tobojevic. He needs a, a good, honest, almost full year of recovery. And you've got a competent you know, deputy in Ruben Garrick. So just you know, bite the bit, you know, swallow the pill, uh, and put him there and let Tom get right. Because in the long term, it's going to be better off for it. But yeah. Like like you said, Ruben Garrick much better than a hobbled Tommy, and I you know he's actually had some games where he's really piled on the points at fullback. So I think he'll be a, a you know big feature on the scoring sheet this weekend. Yeah, and when they defeat the Roosters, this is going to put the Roosters in a very uncomfortable position. Their their confidence wouldn't be sky high. We spoke about them on the. Um, the news podcast just around the rumours. I don't believe rumours stuff. I just think that they are down in form, down in confidence, down in troops. It, it is the classic mid-season slump. Whether they get out of it and it just ends up a slide similar to what the Broncos went through last year is another matter. They are obviously in need of a roster clean out. Some of their uh, big name players like 
Tedesco maybe are in need of a rest. It might be the sort of season where they can ride off. And yet, didn't they start the season as one of the premiership favourites? They were because of... Uh, it feels like whenever they have a bad season, uh, everyone's well, everyone in terms of the media is like, yeah, they had a lot of injuries, so next year they're going to be way better. Uh, and we've had this cycle a few years in a row now. And I think the reality is that uh, they've just been on a downward trajectory across a number of seasons, and they're really crowded out this year. And I, I don't think there's immediate pressure on Trent Robinson, uh, but if they have a truly terrible end to this season, uh, you'd imagine that another ordinary season next year might turn the screws a bit. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out and whether they can do a bit of a recovery job. Yeah, and, you know, to be fair, I think if anything ever transpired around Trent Robinson, like if he wasn't wanted by the Roosters... I think he's the sort of coach where another club would snap him up He'd have a hot market. So it'd be one of those, yeah, they wouldn't make the decision lightly. He'd have to be truly, you know, struggling uh, because I think the amount of goodwill that he has banked on the back of those premierships and just being a highly competitive team for years, yeah, it'd take a really bad season this year into a bad season next year to even start the discussion. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're both going for the Seagulls in that one. Yeah, it feels dirty to say it, but yes, I think Manly are the team to beaten this particular fixture. Yeah, it does. You're right. I can hear, I'm feeling very uncomfortable about it. Might go Um, take the old shower, yeah. (laughs) Well, mate, that that brings us to uh, an unusual uh, preview episode of the tip sheet in that we've gone into great depth in looking at the NRL round and uh, coming up with our winners. Uh, Might be something that we do briefly in future podcasts as well as the in-depth super in-depth coverage of all three grades of Parramatta football but for now again our thanks to our sponsors that being Big Swing Golf North Mead and Star Partners Real Estate Auburn, Norellan and Parramatta thank you for uh, your support there also looking forward to next week where our instant uh, reaction podcast returns to the home of the Eels, Parramatta Leagues Club. And, and again, we thank our partnership with Parramatta Leagues Club for hosting, uh, allowing us to host the Tip Sheet podcast in Jack's Bar and Grill, where you can get a, a, a good feed, a drink, and listen to plenty of Parramatta Reels talk on match days. So, uh, mate, thank you for today's episode. Thank you to the listeners for tuning in if you're listening to this on youtube please subscribe it helps with all the metrics and helps to grow our content there and as i as i mentioned before we are looking to grow our youtube presence so um, get on there subscribe thank you everyone and go you mighty eels